This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what's the first thing you would do? Get outside more? Check in on that friend you've been meaning to catch up with? Maybe learn how to play an instrument? I know I've thought about what I would do with more time in my day, and many people daydream about what they might do in that scenario. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your actual schedule is to know what's important to you and take whatever reasonable steps you can to make those things more of a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can do more of it. Therapy is not just for people who've experienced major traumas. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, and it empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a quick questionnaire that will match you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash FilmDaily. This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its six-year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, February 6, 2023. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serretta, and joining me on his podcast, Slash Film Writer and Box Office Analyst, Ryan Scott. Hey, everyone. How's it going? So, Ryan, you were right. Knock at the Cabin has officially knocked Avatar The Way of Water from the number one spot at the box office after being on the top for seven weeks? Think. Yeah, seven seven weeks, just as the original had done. Um, so yeah, so look, anything getting a two month stretch atop the charts is almost impossible. Uh, the only movie to really ever do that, and then some, was Titanic, which we'll talk about here in a second. But um, so yeah, M Night Shyamalan's latest knock at the cabin debuted to fourteen point two million dollars. Uh, that was on the low end of expectations, so eh, you know, um. And then, like, at the same token, 80 for Brady, which I would like to talk about as little as possible because I absolutely <laughs> hate Tom Brady, um, uh, it debuted on the higher end of its expectations for $12.5 million. So Avatar actually slid all the way to number three with $10.8 million. Um, nobody's crying any tears for Avatar, though. It's going to hit $2.2 billion before it's all over. Um, you know, uh, so just circling back to Knock at the Cabin real quick, um, it got a C cinema score and the reviews were a bit mixed. So my concern in the coming weeks is that it's probably going to drop pretty bad because word of mouth isn't really there. Whereas like 80 for Brady, you're kind of looking at like the word of mouth is probably going to be a little better. So I, I did I, get to see it. I went to see it last night. 
Um, I, you know, you were kind of glowing about it. So I, I was excited to see it because I, I, I'm a big M night Shyamalan fan from way back and he's, you know, he's had some misses, but, uh, I liked it. I didn't love it. I feel, and I, I feel like we can't talk about this because of spoilers, but I feel like it loses me in the last third of the film, the, the ending. And I think that I could see why it gets, gets a low cinema score. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be one of those divisive Shyamalan movies. But for me, it and again, it's just going to be one of those that either worked for you or it didn't. And for me, it worked like gangbusters. Um, I think the one thing that everyone's coming away from it with love it or hate it is that Bautista delivers like one hell of a performance in this movie. And I think that sort of goes without, you know, without dispute, even the people that don't particularly like the movie. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we'll see what that does in the coming weeks. The only concern I have is that it's got a $20 million budget. So, you know, it, it definitely needs some help overseas if it's going to have a pretty big drop. Cause you got to look at, that means it really needs to make probably at least like 60 million theatrically to kind of break even. Um, so we'll see that, that, that's still possible, but you know, um, is is this another one of the movies that M night has like bankrolled himself or is this uh did the studio bankroll no no he's know? still so so as i understand his his pa- everything since the visit he has bankrolled himself and has partnered with universal on distribution and marketing so like so he is essentially like the studio investor he's got a studio that he the, uh, his production company i forgot what it's called but essentially like he's the one financing yeah. this so um that's yeah, that's awesome. That's insane. That that is like you to bet on yourself in that way because he's betting what like twenty million dollars or whatever. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that you you got to have a lot of uh, self confidence, I think. Well, but I also think, and he talked. I, I wrote if you want to look uh, on the site, I wrote uh, for this weekend's tales from the box office. I did the visit, which was kind of his comeback movie, and that was the first one he did that way because he had come off of After Earth and last airbender which were these gigantic budget flops and i think he learned a lot about that and i think the thing is he just didn't want to get caught on the wrong side of someone else's movie again i think it had less to do with the money and more to do with like i want to make the movies the way that i believe they should be made and so i think that you know his good fortune has led him to a place where he can do that and so he kind of keeps rolling you know it helped that like split which cost nine million dollars made like almost 300 million worldwide so he certainly made a lot of money on that. So, you know, that sort of was it led it led him to a place where you can continue to do this. Um, but anyway, so, so looking at Avatar, the way of water, what's interesting is uh, Titanic is currently the number three highest grossing movie of all time worldwide at 2.19 billion. Avatar, the way of water is right on its heels uh, with um, uh, a total of 2.17 billion. So, you know, it's going to pass Titanic any day now, except Titanic is getting re-released in theaters this weekend for its 25th anniversary in the 26th year of its release. Uh, But let us not forget that Titanic topped the box office for 15 straight weeks. So this is well within its original run. Um, So, (laughs) so, um, so, so, yeah, so, so it's going to get interesting to see how much money Titanic can make in re-release again. Can that be enough to put enough distance between it and Avatar? I don't know. It's so those two are going to be in a real tight race for that number three. Oh, um, you think there's the- a possibility that it could retain the number three? Well, I mean, Avatar: The Way of Water is definitely slowing down. 
You know, yeah. it's starting to lose screens. It's starting to drop a little heavier each week. Um, you know, you've got movies like Pathan and, 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 um, uh, uh, and then you've got like, uh, the wandering earth Two dethroning it in China. So you've got some other things where it's finally starting to lose some steam. And then you've got Ant-Man of the Wasp coming in like a week and a half. That's going to completely dismantle it domestically. So, um, and unlikely uh, around the world. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, so, so I think that, yeah, I mean, you're probably getting close to, you know, what Avatar might get to maybe 2.3, you know, if I, if I were to take a, a, a yeah. slight, slight guess at this point and then, you know, and then, you know, can, can Titanic make a hundred million in its re-release? I don't know. Avatar did. So I'm not saying yes or no. I don't know. Uh, these re-releases are all over the map in terms of what they can or can't make. So I have no idea. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's just something, you're going to be something interesting to watch to see, how close that race ends up being. You mentioned 80 for Brady. And this is one of those films, Ryan, where every time I would go to the movie theater, it's the trailer before the movie or whatever. Like it, it, it seems like it always happens. Like every month or two, there's like a trailer that is on every single movie. And like, I'm like, who is this movie made for? Is anybody going to go see this? Like, it doesn't even seem like sports fans would be excited to see this movie, but apparently I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So again, $12.5 million against a $28 million budget here. Um, this is Paramount pictures is kind of between last year and this year, they're sort of going, okay, what is, what are people saying isn't working and what can we make work? And, you know, this is serving, you know, you're looking at a bunch of, you know, lead actresses who are in their seventies and eighties, you know, Sally field and, um, <clears throat> Jane Fonda and like, you know, this, this is supposed to be the kind of movie that maybe only gets made for streaming or not at all. And, you know, here we have a hit, you know, like I, because especially with the a cinema score, you're looking at a movie that has a much better shot at good word of mouth in the weeks to come. So, you know, I mean, you know, this is getting people out to theaters in a way that a lot of movies weren't. And I think one of the things I wrote for us is sort of pointing out that, currently the domestic box office is 50% is pacing 50% ahead of where it was last year. So we are way ahead of where we were last year. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're getting more counter programming and more different types of programming this weekend as well. We had BTS yet to come in cinemas, which was a concert film uh, BTS of course. And that made like 6.28 million and that had the highest per screen average of the week. So, you know, you're seeing some of these things. And then we also had the chosen season three finale, which was a faith-based series, and that made three point six million. You'll be interested to know that the chosen season, uh, season three, episode one and two, which were released in theaters last year, made eighteen million dollars through Fathom Events through their run. So, like wow. you know, this faith-based series is just bringing out crowds like crazy. So, I think what you're seeing is like these sorts of plays are not taking any attention away from stuff like Puss in Boots, like Avatar, like any of these big movies, but they're serving audiences who maybe weren't going to show up to the theater for those movies anyway. So you're sort of, you know, counter-programming at your best right now. And and if we can keep that sort of pace up throughout this year, I think we're going to see this can and should be the new normal that we're looking for. And and I feel very encouraged by what I'm seeing. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. Uh, let's talk about AMC theaters. They're trying to make more money by completely changing the way you pay for seats at the movie theater. And again, this is something I feel like I went to 
London like eight or nine years ago and I saw them doing this in like the Cineplex Odeons and stuff like that, like whatever theaters they have over there. Uh, Like I I went to see a movie and there was like three rows in the center of the, the auditorium that were roped off. And had like a different color seat. And I was like, what, what's going on here? And it was like, oh, you got to pay more for those seats. So w- what is happening here? AMC Theaters is going to be do- doing a variable pricing model for their seats. It- it's a new program called Sightline at AMC. And l- let me get into w- what it actually is. So standard tickets are seats that are most common in auditoriums and are available for the traditional cost of a ticket. So those seats are not going to... Uh, be raised in price but there's another tier called value these are seats in the front row of the auditorium as well as select ada seats in each auditorium and are available for a lower price than the standard sightline seats because they're deemed uh less uh have a (laughs) you know they're they're less preferable uh however amc stub members will be able to access the lower prices here with those and uh Finally, there's preferred, which are the seats that are in the middle of the auditorium. They're going to be priced with a premium uh, to the standard sightline seats. Uh, I like that, you know, if, if you're willing to sit in the front row or maybe the back row, you're able to get a discount seat. I don't like that I'm going to have to, you know, pay more money for the middle seats. But that said, I have AMC stubs, so I'm never going to see this, Ryan. Like, this is going to be something I'm never going to see. By the way, this is um rolling out. Uh, this Friday at select locations in New York, Chicago, and Kansas City. And then by the end of the year, it will expand to all the AMC locations in the United States. Ryan, I know that you don't go to AMC that much. You go to Alamo Drafthouse. But what do you think of this idea for a variable pricing based on how good the seat is? This is bullshit. (laughs) Oh, jeez. No, no, I'm not. This is absolute. Here's my thing. I don't necessarily see a problem with you wanted to say, hey, we'll discount some of those undesirable seats. Like that seems like a not terrible idea. And that actually seems like almost a nice gesture. But and I also think like like you've had AMC and these other theaters where they have to kind of do a little bit of variable pricing for like, you know, peak movies at peak demand times. I don't necessarily have a huge issue with that. I think that's just supply and demand. But like this this feels really cheap. And we actually have uh, like Hannah Shaw Williams, one of our editors at the site. She talked about, yeah, this has been like, you know, common in the UK for a while. I don't care where you are. This is garbage. Um, And I also think this isn't going (laughs) to go over very well. And what I really think this is, this is just a way for people, for them to goose their stubs, a list subscriptions, which is them to be like, well, Hey, if you don't want to deal with this, you know, you can, I tell you what I feel bad for is all the people that are not living their lives online that are going to the app or that are just going to go to the theater to buy a ticket. And all of these employees that are going to be dealing with angry customers about this. And like these low wage employees who did not decide this, that are just going to get their ear chewed off by some guy who's irritated about it. And I I don't know. I, I, this just feels cheap to me. This feels, it just feels like movies are already very expensive um, for, for your average person, particularly for a family or whatever. And, I don't know. I just think that this adds expense to desirable, particularly if you if you're going to see a movie that's like an otherwise almost empty theater and you've still got to pay for like more just to sit. Well, you don't. You 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 get the seat right outside of the realm, and then you wait until the trailers you know end, and then you just move your seat to the good area okay no one's in the theater but within within the rules, that's not how that's supposed to work. And (laughs) and so like. 
I don't know. To me, to me, I really don't like this. Um, I, I would recommend you go to any other theater chain that doesn't do this to punish AMC for this very bad idea. Um, uh, because the problem is if this works out really well, it's going to catch on and it's going to become, it might become the norm at other chains. And so I really would like to not see that happen. But. See, I, for some reason, I don't mind this. I don't know why I don't mind it. It might be because usually when I buy tickets to a movie, it's such last minute. I'm like, let's go see a movie tonight. We go to the AMC app and by then the middle seats are all taken up anyways. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I'm such a like last minute impulsive person. So it, it doesn't, I guess it doesn't bother me. And I use a, AMC A-list as you mentioned, which yeah, is so that, like, that part's naturally not going to bother you. See, like I, on the other hand, I'm extremely particular about where I sit in a theater. Like I'll buy tickets way ahead of time for something I know I want to see to make sure I'm not sitting in like the dog shit seats. Yeah. And like, ugh, just, I don't know. This is, do, do you think A-list will let me get the premium seats? Yeah, probably. Because again, I, I think that I think this is a, a move to to get them to goose those subscriptions. That's what I think. What I what I see uh, locally here, I, I know you don't go to AMC a lot, but um, you know any of the theaters, the Dolby uh, at AMC or the Prime theaters at AMC, all the ones that have the, like the nice recliner seats and stuff like that. Everybody that has AMC A list will get the movie in those because you know you don't pay an extra premium for those theaters with a list you, you can get a seat in any theater so when i look at the list of theaters and movies that are showing the ones that are the premium theaters are always like filled to capacity because everybody that's amc a list is you know it's no extra money for them so they're booking that up i'm actually kind of surprised that amc isn't building more of those premium theaters in each multiplex if that makes sense well i think right now you know amc still has like something like five billion in debt so yeah. i think that <laughs> it, i think it'd be tough for them to invest in the theaters they already have standing in that way um especially when i think that they're still doing upgrades to a lot of the theaters in terms of like putting bars in there to sell alcohol and things like that so i think they're still making they're still catching up in terms of investment in other ways that are making them money where I don't know if they could necessarily afford to do that right now. I'm not sure if this is new, but I, I retweeted someone over the weekend that was an EMC theater and they, they showed that the cup that AMC is now selling advertisements on the cup. So there's an advertisement to Legoland on the, uh, on the soda cup that you buy uh, at AMC theaters. And I said, you know, on one hand, gross on the other hand i want movie theaters to survive and i feel like it's the same thing with this ryan i feel like on one hand it's gross that they're selling the premium seats for a premium price but on the other hand i don't want to see a future where there isn't a multiplex no i hear you but but again I, okay let's let's go with what i just said 10 minutes ago yeah. the <laughs> domestic box office is up 50 percent year over year like yeah. that we are doing very well in that regard. <laughs> like there is no, I don't, I don't see where you need to do this right now. Yeah. Particularly yeah. because let's not forget. Yes. Some of these seats. Will well, be more I mean, maybe, maybe if your company is, in, uh, you know, almost bankrupt, then you might need to do I, this. Yeah. I, okay. I don't know. It's short sighted. <laughs> I, 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 I guess I'm just so irritated by this that I don't, yeah, I, I I mean, like, I can't see the Alamo Drafthouse doing this. So, like, it, it's going to affect me less. But 
like I'm very lucky to live in a city where there is an Alamo draft house. Like I'm talking, I feel for people who live elsewhere where this might become the norm. Okay. Uh, next up, I want to talk about some sequels, some legacy equals, some uh, spinoffs, <laughs> but uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Okay, Ryan, let's talk about this. So I know what you did last summer is going to be the latest horror franchise to get a legacy sequel. And this is kind of strange to me because I feel like I no one talks about I know what you did last summer. If you ask me to remember, you know, I saw this in theater. I've probably seen it a few times because I was of the teenage age of when it came out. And it was kind of like, you know, I was in that phase of watching Dawson's Creek and Scream had just come out. And this is Kevin Williamson. And... uh if you ask me to remember what I know what you did last summer was about, I could tell you that it had Jennifer Love Hewitt and there was a guy with a with a hook, I think. A fishing hook. Nailed was that, it. Is that it? Uh, more or less. I mean, it, it, it's it's uh, a <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I uh, there, there's much to be said about I know what you did last summer, but uh, but I mean, I guess we should get into the news of it all. Yeah, so according to Deadline, uh, the Teen Slasher is reportedly going to be the next big horror so- uh, saga to get the legacy sequel. And uh, some of the characters might actually return. Uh, I don't know, like, we don't really know much more than that. We know that Freddie Prince Jr. and Jennifer Love Hewitt are in talks to reprise their roles. And uh, yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on this, Ryan? I think it makes a lot of sense. I think if you look at, you know, what Halloween and Scream have done, I think, of course, you might want to give this a shot just for reference. Uh, uh, I know what you did last summer, uh, which came out in 1997, one year after Scream. And yeah. it, it, for those who may not know, there's a little bit of historical context here. The slasher movie was very dead in the early 90s, like dead, dead, dead. Like, you know, you had, you know, the Halloween sequels making a little bit of money. But I mean, the slasher genre was just absolutely dead. And Scream brought it back in a huge way. So Kevin Williamson, who wrote Scream, had had this script sitting around, as I understand it, and like no one wanted to make it. Well, then as soon as Scream was a hit, they're like, oh, my God, what else do you have? And he had this other slasher sitting around. So then I know what you did last summer got made like very, very, very quickly. Um, and, and it made, for reference, $125 million at the worldwide box office against a $17 million budget. So you bet your ass that made some money. 
And then there was the sequel. I still know what you did last summer, which did not make very <laughs> much money. And then there was the 2006 direct-to-video sequel. I, I will always know what you did last summer. Um, but, you know, and then there was the Revival TV series, which I think debuted last year and was quickly canceled, but it had none of the original, you know, cast attached. And um, But yeah, so I think that, like, looking at those numbers looking at that it was kind of around that same slasher revival time as Scream, looking at how much money Scream has made. Uh, of course, like, of course I see why this would have value. And But again, Scream's you, iconic. Like, the ghost face is iconic. The characters in Scream. Okay, but like, I'm not I, saying you're going to make as much money as Scream. Right, I'm going I'm I'm to pull the Avatar thing. Name any of the characters, and I know what you did last summer. <laughs> I don't know the character name. What do I care? <laughs> I know, but I love how everybody that says that the, does it pulls the Avatar thing. They're like, name one character from Avatar. I'm like, uh, Nate Turi. Um, yeah, anyways, um, <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, do you know the that there was controversy around the marketing for I know what you did last summer? You know, I, I should know that because I wrote a Tales from the Box Office about this movie, but I do not know what you're referencing. So Columbia Pictures begin a summer marketing campaign that presented the film as being from the creator of Scream. Oh, that's right. I do remember this. Yes, yes, yes. And then, Please continue. And then Merrimax Pictures filed a lawsuit against Columbia Pictures, arguing that the claim was inaccurate because the director of Scream was obviously Wes Craven, not uh, Kevin Williamson. And a week following the film's theatrical release, the federal judge awarded Merrimax an injunction requiring Columbia to remove the claim from the advertising. Apparently, Williamson had also requested its removal prior to seeing it in, on a theater poster. It like, wasn't something he agreed with. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, the Weinsteins uh, were were angry about that. But the, it's funny because you see stuff like that all the time. I still remember the Barbarian trailer when people kind of thought that movie was just going to be some schlocky horror thing. And like it was like from a producer of it. It wasn't even <laughs> like, you know, and everyone was like and like so the people do that stuff all the time. You know, I think it's so the word creator. The creator is weird because who created Scream? Do, you know, you, can you give Williamson wrote it, right? But Wes Craven created the movie. I, you know, it's, it, I, it's. I tend to sort of give the writer a lot of credit in that, like, yeah, the writer, yeah. it doesn't exist without the writer. So, like, you know, it, it's sort of. But yeah, whatever. I get that, and and especially if Williamson is like, but that's really neither <laughs> here nor there. It's a matter of like, do I see a world in which if you can keep, so for instance, the Scream last year's Scream, I believe the budget on Scream was like ten million dollars. They kept it pretty low. Yeah. I was like, if you can make, um, and I still know what you did last summer again, or whatever you want to call it. Like <laughs> if, if you, if you can make that movie, like if your big expense is paying Jennifer Love Hewitt and, and some of the other cast, like a, a pretty decent check, uh, you know, when you can keep the budget low, let's say you keep it around that 10 million range. Do I believe that a movie like this could make 60 to $70 million at the box office and do well on streaming? You bet. So I absolutely see why you would do this. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a year or two ago, Ryan, this would be, this would end up on uh, some streaming service. Do you know what I mean? I feel like this would be a, a direct to streaming service movie. Uh, but here, you know, in the, the, the post scream reboot, I, I, I could definitely see them making money at the, at the theatrical. Yeah. And so, well, especially cause you got to remember with Sony, this is coming from Sony. So they don't have a streaming service. So they yeah. have a deal with Netflix where like their movies will go to Netflix after the fact and they get money from that deal. So they will get the theatrical revenue, 
then they'll get their VOD window. Then they get to sell that money to that, that movie to Netflix essentially and get money from that. So if you look at all of those windows there, it's, if you keep this budget reasonable, it's hard to imagine the movie not making money. For sure. Okay. Let's talk about an, another thing in the works here. Uh, Showtime. We, we've been talking about Showtime lately and they, uh, they want to make sequels. They want to make prequels. They want to make spinoffs based on their popular franchises. And that includes Dexter and Billions. Are, are, are you a fan of either Dexter or Billions? Peter, you know damn well I've not seen either of these shows. <laughs> okay, I have not seen Billions. By the way, I think it's brilliant that one of these Billions spinoffs is going to be called Trillions. Never seen <laughs> Billions, but... Is it really? Yes. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, that's so that's, dumb. That it's dumb, but it's it's awesome. I I I, I am all for that. I'm not going to watch it, but I'm all for. I love for that it. the show's been on long enough that inflation has caught up now, where billions <laughs> needs to become trillions. That's wonderful. Now the funny thing here is Dexter. Like they, you know, they had the first series Dexter, which I think the first season is amazing, and it, it was diminishing returns as you went on. And the last season was so bad; it's considered one of the 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 worst finale seasons of a tv show ever that they actually came back with dexter new blood which was a new series and it was a i get, it was originally just supposed to be a one season show but now they're they're doing a second season so uh which uh they're doing a second season and they're going to be doing in addition to that a dexter prequel which will show the the character dexter early days at miami metro and uh which is, I don't know, our writer Valerie here puts it uh, really well. That's kind of silly, given that the original series already included a ton of flashbacks to Dexter's earlier past. Yeah, So I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure we need a Dexter prequel. I'm, I'm wondering, I mean, you can't have Michael C. Hall reprise the role as a younger Dexter, right? You have to have like some other actor be playing him. I I would I would guess I mean it's I mean Dexter came out in what year uh I mean the finale was in oh uh, 2013 I think is when it came out wait no no 2013 is the the finale <laughs> is the so I don't even, not even sure when it came out so it's probably uh mid 2000s uh I don't know I I think it would be silly to have Michael C Hall. Uh, playing a younger version of, of himself from like 20 years ago. Yeah. I don't know. Didn't I see, I, I was pretty sure I saw, isn't there like a talk about a, a prequel focused on the Gemini killer, I think was the, the character played by, um, uh, oh, um, the actor from third rock from the sun. Forgive oh, me. uh, John Lithgow. John Lithgow. Yeah, wasn't it? Wasn't yes. there some? Didn't I see that that was one of the things that was potentially in discussion? I did not see that. That that might be in the works. That's not. That's not in our write up. I don't think. But uh, but th that would actually be interesting. I think that would be cool to follow that character. Uh, he wasn't in the first season. That was probably one of the strongest seasons of Dexter. Uh, that that could be interesting. I'm I'm just not sure what the this prequel this prequel idea has to it. Um, I could see them 
I could I could see where they're going with this Dexter New Blood, which kind of set up um spoiler alert for Dexter, but he has a son and it, it New Blood is the title of the show. And I think the series would be following his son and uh him trying to resist the dark passenger in his head, uh from uh you know, being a vigilante. I don't know. This, I, I, yeah. This all just strikes me as like, you know, especially because we just found out like Showtime is merging with Paramount Plus and I think this just strikes me as like you need a recognizable IP to <laughs> help anchor the service and uh good idea, bad idea. I get it. I mean, like I'm not saying it's yeah. uh, n- none of this does anything for me, obviously having not watched any of the other, other shows, but you know, obviously that must mean Dexter new blood did pretty well for them. It must mean billions is still doing well for them. I mean, I, get I mean, it. they're they're going to do four shows based on billions. They're doing trillions, which I which I mentioned to you. Do you do you know what one of the other shows is called, Ryan? Oh, I'm I'm guessing millions, maybe. Yes, millions. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and then they're doing billions, London, and billions, Miami. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I kind of want to watch billions, Miami, without having watched any. <laughs> the only thing I'll say about this is like. You know, sometimes it's all relative, right? Because, like, Stars, for example, they had, like, that Power Book show, and then now they have, like, eight spinoffs of that that are, like, you know what I mean? Like, that that was all, that, that show that was produced by, like, 50 Cent, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but so there's, like, there's, like, there's seriously, like, I hold on, let me, I'm going to look this up right now, because I think, <laughs> because I think there's, like, six or seven shows. And I don't know a single person that has watched any of them. Well, it's kind of um, like NCIS or any of those shows that have like 5 billion, like NCIS Los Angeles, NCIS Hawaii, NCIS New Orleans. Yeah. Okay. So the television series, there's, there's Power, Power Book 2 Ghost, Power Book 3 Raising Canaan, Power Book 4 Force, and Power Book 5 Influence. So there, there's, there's five shows that I've never met a single person who watched an episode of any of them. And, and, but again, it's all relative. If you can keep the, the budgets reasonable enough, if you have that viewership, you know, with your audience, sure. I, so, so I don't know. I mean, it was spinoffs tend to be a law of diminishing returns in a lot of cases. I think like house of the dragon is sort of the rare exception where your audience kind of grew, but you know, I mean, again, it's all, it's all relative. So. Well, I don't I don't know anybody personally that watches Yellowstone, the uh the Western series from Taylor Sheridan. Uh, but that is a huge hit, and I think that has a ton of spin-offs as well, right? It's literally, yeah, there's a nineteen twenty-three, nineteen eighteen eighty-nine, I think, or eighteen ninety-nine, but that those are all that's literally the biggest show on cable right now. So, I yes, mean, but how know. is I don't know if, if that to me feels like the Avatar question that everybody has is like you know who's the Avatar fan? I'm like who's the Yellowstone fan? I don't know anybody in my life that is like I don't know me maybe there are people because I know people that like Ryan you know everybody watched Avatar they're just not to you Avatar fans but like do you know Yellowstone fans? Yeah, I know a couple. Yeah. Okay, then I'm just out of the bubble of Yellowstone, I guess. Well, my mom in particular, like what was interesting is my mom, she didn't start watching Yellowstone right away, but she watched 1899 and then got like hooked on that. And that's like one of her favorite shows ever now. And then that got her to actually go back and watch Yellowstone. 
So now she's like all on board for the whole Yellowstone universe. But yeah, so I do know people. <laughs> Maybe I need to give it a chance. I don't know. Okay, we, we've reached the end of today's Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at Slash Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.